Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. We are recording this on Thursday, March 3rd, which means, Nick, you and I got back from Denver in the wee early hours of this morning. And we've got a lot to unpack because that Thunder game against Denver in enemy territory, undermanned, and the Thunder came out on top. Yeah, they certainly gave us a lot to talk about today <laughs> yeah. in our Thursday pod. And yeah, Paris, as you mentioned, that that was a happy flight back as we landed back in OKC around 2 a.m. last night. And it's just, it was a great show by the team overall. I know that we'll get into kind of all the nuances of why it was such a strong performance, but you go in against a team that had won six straight games, right. one of the hottest teams in the league, that's really rolling. They're in a fight for a home seed, home court advantage playoff seed in the Western Conference. And the Thunder went in there and honestly took care of business basically from the jump. Were the aggressors from the very outset, mm -hmm. from the very beginning. We'll get into this in a little more detail a little bit later. But the other thing I wanted to point out about this game, you're going up against reigning MVP Nikola yeah. Jokic. And I love what Coach Dagno says when he talks about these sort of players is you only get reps going against guys like Nikola Jokic when you go against Nikola Jokic himself. You know, other guys, other big guys don't necessarily, they don't translate. Those skills don't necessarily translate. And so for a lot of these guys, especially the young guys on this mm -hmm. roster who were getting a lot of extended minutes in this ball game, that was a great experience for them. No Mike Muscala, no Derek Favors, no Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Those three guys have been the primary centers mm -hmm. for this team all season long. And yet you go into Denver and you just figure it out with with Jokic, Isaiah Roby, who's got some experience on yep. Jokic at some uh, over the course of time, and then brand new two way guy Olivier Saar. He's in there battling not only Jokic but Demarcus Cousins. I mean, former top five pick in the NBA draft and you know All Star. And those two players, Roby and and Sar, they they held just held down the fort. It was a great team concept to yep. come over and double, make sure they got the ball out of their hands and, and not those easy buckets. But um, I, like I said, we'll get into the nuances, but really good stuff. One last thing before we get into you can say that again. Okay. Was it loud in that arena yeah. or was it just me? It was insanely loud. They The Denver crowd really showed out and that was like a, a really fun environment, I, I imagine, for the young guys to be in as well. They had the, they had the bass turned up on the music there <laughs> in, the, in, in ball, uh, ball arena as well. Yeah. But yes, you're right. And as as that game was going along, I couldn't help but think what an experience for these young Thunder players to be in a battle, yeah. be in an NBA fight. Like everybody wants to make comparisons to playoff. Oh, is that a playoff atmosphere or whatever? And like at some point that doesn't necessarily matter. What matters is a high pressure. You're in control against a team that is a top tier NBA team mm -hmm. and the entire building is against you. Mike Malone, the Denver head coach, is calling timeout after timeout yep. to try to get his team reconfigured and ready to, to attack you. And Denver would make these little pushes out of a timeout, and the Thunder had an answer every time. Resilient and poised throughout, and that is a theme for this group for the entire season. With that, let's go in so you can say that again, and we'll get into a little bit of the detail of this game. Yeah, sure. So my quote is, I didn't even know we only had nine guys until I looked at the space on the bench. The only reason I know this is because this was my second choice for you can say that again. I was really hoping you weren't going to pick it, so I was glad when I when I saw that you didn't. Yes, this is Isaiah Roby postgame. Yes, that's right. And so the, the breakdown is the Thunder knew that it was going to have seven guys, seven rotation guys out due right. to injury coming into this game. Right before tip-off, a late scratch was Derek Favors. So suddenly, yep. down to just nine players available in this game, like we said, going up against a, a Denver team that had been 
ripping the league to shreds over the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they were able to come in and not only just handle the job, given that the second unit was two two-way players and Lindy Waters and Olivier Saar and guys like Roby and Poku and Teo Malado. I mean, half the team had played for the OKC Blue this earlier this season. You got Shea, who's still coming back from injury. Not only did they perform, but Roby is like, yeah, you know, it didn't even strike me that we were that shorthanded and that we were down to only nine guys until we came to sat, sit down at the bench after our first rotation. It's like, hey, we got room to spread out here. <laughs> <laughs> got, some, got some elbow room here. So, and, and I think that that just speaks to the, the next man up culture that th- nobody was like phased and looking around and woe is me. Like, what are we going to do or, or making an excuse for themselves of like, okay, well, we only got nine guys. So what are we going to do tonight? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I love this that it came out of Isaiah's mouth because mm-hmm. Isaiah is a guy who has really embodied just the adaptability that is required to play in the NBA period. Yeah. But also Isaiah's played with the OKC Blue this season. He has been in and out of the rotation, limited minutes in the lineup, starting. And so he has seen a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different situations. And with that, he told us that like, with that, it comes, you grow that adaptability, right. which is a very valuable skill in the NBA. And what you do is rather than look at your circumstances, you just look at the task ahead. And that's how you navigate, okay, if I'm with the OKC Blue, it doesn't matter. My job right now is to go right. out there and be the big man. If I'm sitting on the bench and I, I, my job is to watch, be engaged, and be ready to go if my number is called. Rather than looking at your circumstances, like you're saying, the woe is me and like, oh, okay, I'm going to fill my head with this and mm-hmm. we don't even stand a chance, so why try? That's not even relevant because they're focused so much. And I say they because Isaiah, Teo, V, all of these yeah. guys, one through one through nine <laughs> that they had <laughs> out there were focused on the task at hand rather than the circumstances around them. And what happens when you're where your feet are is you end up showing out. And Isaiah Roby goes for a career high 26 yep. points, makes career high four three pointers, uh, made his first three of those, I believe, and was a thorn in the side of the Nuggets all night long. Mm-hmm. They tried to keep Jokic close to the rim to be that you know protector on drives. And Roby just kept stretching out the defense on those pick and pops. And he spaced to the corner as well. And really picked him apart. And then at the end of the game, Roby was the one with the extra energy after, you know, bruising with Jokic all night to get the two second chances that helped seal the deal. Right. And obviously Isaiah is giving up a lot of size to a guy like Nikola Jokic. He's giving up a lot of size to the backup center, DeMarcus Cousins. And so regardless of who he was going up against, he was the smaller guy. And so it would have been easy, like we're talking about, just to be like, oh, well, I'm I don't really have a chance. I I can do what I can do, but Mm -hmm. like there's not really much I can do. Isaiah told us after the game that he is always looking to find ways to play to his advantages. So if he's going up against these bigger guys, he's got that speed. He's got that mobility. He's got like really good footwork. He can stretch the floor. That's something that he's been working on a lot is knocking down that shot. And look what happened. He went four for four from the three-point line before he missed one. And dang it, I'm so sorry, Isaiah. (laughs) (laughs) You're going so strong. But like he he found his opportunities to play to his advantages, and it worked out well. That's right. Okay, give us your quote. Uh, This is more of a paraphrase because I think this is what he was going for here. I think this is what he's going for here. Our identity was our North Star tonight. That has to be Mark Dagnall, right? Yes, okay. this is Mark Dagnall. And this is off the very first question. I think your question in, in post-game media avail. And he was talking about the Thunder played to their identity and the way that they want to play on both ends of the floor. Yeah. That's why they were successful. It wasn't because Isaiah Roby popped off for mm-hmm. 26 points. It wasn't because Shea had another near 30-point night. 
It was because everybody collectively on both ends of the floor were engaged, they were locked in, and they were playing competitively and with intensity for 48 minutes straight. When you play to your identity and you play to the foundations that you've built, this is what you start to see. This is the fruits of right. your labor paying off versus like, okay, we got to knock down a bunch of threes tonight because mm-hmm. that that's not the identity. The identity is playing smart, playing strong, getting playing with pace, getting out in transition, letting your defense lead to your offense. All of those things were working in conjunction for the Thunder to be as successful as they were. It's a great point that you're making, and it's true. A one-off night, you can hit a million contested shots right. that you know are sort of Hail Marys. But more often, you know, the way that you can can sow your your earth and and, <laughs> and reap the benefits is doing what the Thunder did last night. Yeah. And it's a symbiotic relationship. The shots going in last night were a product of, as you're saying, them playing this quick tempo, quick decisions, downhill attacks, mm-hmm. kick, spray, drive, kick again. And that's why there were so many open threes. That's why Vic Krejci went perfect from the three-point right. line. That's why Shea was, again, in the in the lane all night long. Teo Maladon attacking downhill. Poku getting those those backdoor cuts on second chances. Like right. Those, all of those things, when, you, when you're playing with the right mindset of mm-hmm. quick decisions and I'm attacking to the basket, putting pressure on the basket, all of that opens up. On the flip side... You saw it on the defense too, the identity. You see Lindy Waters in like his sixth game ever getting in a scrap, not a real scrap, but like going toe to toe with DeMarcus Cousins, one of the biggest known enforcers in the entire NBA. Yeah, took one to the face on that one, yeah. Right, I mean, he's boxing Cousins out underneath the basket to the point where a double foul gets called, which is like super rare. And then you see Poku diving on the floor for a loose ball. This is something that we didn't see from him last season. And yet here he is, seemingly night after night, putting his body on the line. These are those like hallmarks of Thunder basketball, right? trademark Thunder basketball, <laughs> that we're seeing emerge out of players more and more every night. Because in the NBA, there is so much volatility, things you cannot control. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Denver was going to get hot from the three-point line, out of the Thunder's control. Absolutely. But what they can always control is the foundation that they set in their identity. That's, like you're saying, diving on the floor for loose balls, boxing out, running with pace and tempo, attacking, putting pressure on the rim. You put yourself in the position to be successful. And when the shots are falling, like they were in this game against Denver, side note, the Thunder shot 55% from the (laughs) three-point line and 50% from the field. When the shots start falling, you see how successful you can be if you play to that identity and you stick to it, regardless of outcome or circumstance. So that was a, a phenomenal quote and really on point by Coach Dagnold about, you know, the identity being the North Star for the Thunder. For sure. All right. Should we go into name that dude? Yes, we should. And I think it's a perfect segue because while the stat line might make, make you think this is not where I'm going, I think it's actually a perfect tie-in to identity. So stat, the stat line is 30, 33 and a half points per game, six rebounds, six and a half assists. 33 and a half points per game. I, I want to say Shea over a certain span of games, <laughs> but I don't know which span of games. Last five? It's since the All-Star break. Since the, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, so Shea, okay. yeah, this is Shea since the All-Star break, since he returned from that ankle sprain. And this is part of an extended trend that we've seen, according to Mark Dagnall, really since the new year, right. where Shea is, again, playing even more in cohesion with the identity of what the Thunder wants to be about on the offensive end. And the product of quick decisions, mm-hmm. getting into possessions, 
quickly at the beginning of shot of shot clocks and not being pressed up against the back of shot clocks right. has produced incredible efficiency scoring. One thing I didn't put here is well above 50% shooting for Shea during this stretch as well. So it's not like he's just been taking a high volume of shots and you right. know, filling up the stat sheet that way. He's been extremely efficient and effective as an offensive player because he's played even in an even more congruence with the style of play that the Thunder wants to be about. And all of the blocking and tackling that occurs around Shea to generate, I mean, what you want to do as an offense is generate advantages yeah. for to put players in the best possible positions to mm-hmm. score. You also want to do that for your best scorers. Exactly. And so that doesn't mean on every single possession that you know, they're running something specifically for Shea, but because Shea is getting into actions quickly, the ball is getting back to him, the Thunder has already created these little mini advantages. Mm-hmm. And then when the ball comes back to him, he's already got a naturally built-in advantage right. to go play his game exactly. and just react. Exactly. And you saying that reminds me of what Coach Dagnall said is, these guys already have the instincts, yes, right? These yeah, guys already point. have their ability to have a super quick first step and, you know, their instincts kick in when they get to the rim. And yeah. that's when we see kind of the razzle-dazzle. It's about facilitating an, an environment and an opportunity for these guys to play to their instincts. So rather than them having to, you know, really churn and try to create those those edge, those windows for mm-hmm. themselves – putting themselves in that opportunity to be successful and let those instincts kick in is exactly what the Thunder's offense is trying to do. With Shea, the thing that has really stood out to me since his return from the All-Star break is balance. Yeah. It is incredible to watch him. Yes, he has he has had nearly 30 points in every single game back, but he has also gotten all of his teammates involved offensively. And and it's funny because I was thinking about this with Nikola Jokic, and this is not yeah. a comparison whatsoever, but the one of the reasons why Jokic is so successful is because his scoring opens up his passing. Right. And his passing opens up his scoring. Right. The more you are Take as a poison, scorer. As exactly. Would say. Exactly. Yeah. And with Shea, league leader in drives per game, two years running, you mm-hmm. have to respect that every single night. And so in doing so, that only opens up more opportunities because they have to send a crowd to him. They right. have to try to stop him. They have to respect that. And in doing so, you're opening up something on the perimeter. You're opening up something within the Thunder offense. And Shea has done a fantastic job of finding those openings. Yeah, and when it came down to the biggest bucket of the night to seal the deal for the Thunder, yep. Shea's defenders' toes were behind the three-point line. Big inside, inside the three-point line, meaning Shea's got him completely on his heels. Yep. And that three-point shot from the top of the key, it's not as deep as it might have had to have been in the first quarter. Right. That's just an in-rhythm because of all those drives, because of the attacks, because of the success that the Thunder has had throughout the course of the game operating the offense, well, suddenly Shea is in total flow state. Yeah. And the Denver defense is totally on its heels, unsure of what's about to come next. And that's when Shea can hit a dagger right in your eye. That's why it is so important to establish, like what Coach Dagnold is so adamant about these guys establishing aggressive and playing aggressive. It's because once you set that tone and once you set that precedent, it opens up opportunities for you as mm-hmm. a player and gives you those advantages just by having the ball. They have to choose something, right? right? And so that's why the coaching staff with, you know, guys like Trey, with Teo, with Josh Giddy, really encouraging them to play aggressively and, and pedal to the metal on that. So yeah. great, great stat line, Gallo. Okay. Mine might be a little bit more difficult. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. 25 minutes, 10 points, seven rebounds, 43% from the field. Now, 
I'll help you out. These are averages. Okay. I, was I rounded. About to say, I rounded. Let's say this is Poku. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This okay. is Poku over the last five games. Nice. Okay. Yes. So similar stretch. Similar here. stretch. Yeah. And I chose Poku here because he has been playing very, very solid basketball, mm -hmm. which is obviously very encouraging for the Thunder coaching staff, who is really pushed him to play a more efficient style and worked on, you know, trying to get him to, you know, hone his physicality yeah. and play with more force and control of his body. He has done just that. And we see that showing up in a, a variety of different ways, specifically in this Denver game. It was Poku who kind of ignited everything for the Thunder. He yeah. had, hold on, I, I have to go back and look. It was something like, Two steals, two blocks, an assist, and two points in the first three minutes of action. <laughs> it was wild. It yeah. was kind of crazy. Yeah. And forced Michael Malone to call a timeout three minutes into the ball game when the Thunder was ahead nine to two. And it just goes to show, and mind you, this is Poku stepping into the starting lineup right. while Aaron Wiggins was out. And so this this was a an aggressive Poku, but also a very that that is a potent three minutes of action for Poku. And so really, really encouraging signs from him so far. This is, it sounds like such a simple and yet kind of amorphous concept, but Poku is ready to play. Yeah. And that is such an, it's an NBA skill to be ready coming off of the national anthem and starting lineups and the pomp and circumstance of what happens before an NBA game. Right. To be able to go out and when you're still kind of, all right, getting loose, like, like, you are actually ready to deliver a punch mm -hmm. and be get all your athleticism into the game, get your skill into the game, be sharp, be the first one to the ball to dive on, you know, to to keep offensive rebounds alive, to snatch up defensive boards by diving on the floor. That is a skill to be yeah. ready to play. It's something that has been talked about in Oklahoma City for a decade plus. About there are some guys that you don't have to worry about being ready to play right. every single night. For a guy like Poku, who's 20, obviously that is a skill that needs to be developed over the course of the time. Don't forget, two years ago, he's playing in a pandemic shortcut season right. in the second league in Greece. And so for him to be at this stage already mm -hmm. where he can impact the game on the road in a in a big-time environment against the reigning MVP and be be actually the one that delivers the first punch in that game and be able to sustain it throughout the night yeah. to the tune of, I think he had nearly had a double-double yep. in addition to filling up the stat sheet the way that he did. Just super impressive. Obviously, he's got to continue to back this up. But over the last 10 games, he's done that. Absolutely. And nine points, 11 rebounds, near double-double. Yeah. Two blocks, two steals. Like, he was all <laughs> over the floor yeah. for the Thunder. And I think this also goes to show, Coach Dagnall talks about the importance, especially for guys like for Teo and Isaiah and Poku, guys who had a lot of minutes on the yeah. floor last season. They were getting a lot of – they were in the assessment phase that Coach Dagnall talks right. about, really trying to learn their game. They're in a different – they're in a different role this season. They're yeah. they're charged with trying to be more efficient and more streamlined with their minutes and and really make those minutes potent. And in, in helping them with that, they put them in a very – the, a lot of diverse experiences. Yeah, yeah. You have to be ready to play regardless, whether I'm going to send you to the OKC Blue for five games, you're going to come off the bench for the Thunder for five games, I'm going to call you up for two minutes to play in this game. There's a lot of different situations, but in doing so, like we talked about with Isaiah earlier, it formulates this mentality of regardless, I'm just going to be ready to go. I've got to be ready to go. Because the bar is the same regardless yeah. of what situation. So it wasn't like, okay, when you're with the Thunder, we're treating you with a little bit more kids kid gloves right. because the competition's harder or whatever and and when we're through when when you're with the blue suddenly the bar is totally different no 
every single experience, every single time that you're on the floor, mm -hmm. you're expected to deliver the same level of results. And as we project out into the future, in order for Poku to stick in the league, stick with this team and be a part of sort of the next rise of, of the Thunder, as Sam Presti would say, you know, not an appearance, but an arrival, like to be a rotation player, he's got to be able to execute that for 10 minutes or 25 minutes. Right, right. And one last thing with Poku was obviously he's seven feet tall. Yeah. His versatility is astounding. And you brought this up after the game which I didn't even notice because I was just so focused on the fact that he was just all over the floor. He was in pick and roll scenarios, pick and pop. He was the ball handler mm -hmm. in the pick and roll. And so I, I want you to talk about that because this is something that is very unique to Poku and his ability and something that it can be a really, really strong weapon for the Thunder. Alarm bells were going off in my head when I saw Poku set a screen, roll, get out of that screen, roll to the rim, catch the ball in the middle of the floor, then contort his body and use that passing skill to deliver the correct pass, which was actually back kind of behind him over mm -hmm. his left shoulder out to Isaiah Roby, who was wide open. Denver had taken away the corner look that was yep. on the weak side, but inevitably there's one person still open on that weak side play. And Poku picked out the exact correct pass, and it was after a roll. We've seen him pop so much. He's been such a perimeter-oriented player mm -hmm. for the first year-plus of his tenure with the Thunder. But we're seeing the physicality that he's been able to put on. He's he's made strides in the weight room. He's made strides with his durability and, and just, yeah. frankly, ability to play extended minutes night after night after night. And so as a result of that, there's going to be these continued opportunities to utilize his versatility. Mark Degnault said after the game, yeah, he can, he can do it all. He's right. capable of doing it all. The key is for him to be consistent at doing it all and being that versatile weapon mm -hmm. night in and night out. And when you have a guy at his size who runs pick and roll and does the Statue of Liberty yep. lob pass over to Isaiah Roby for an easy dunk, able to keep that ball away from any would-be defenders for the entirety of his drive, yep. and then the very next possession be the guy actually setting that screen and rolling and then picking out the – I mean, that – when, you, when you're looking at Shea and Josh and Trey Mann and Lou Dort and Darius Baisley and, like, this the idea of Poku in that hybrid – never know what you're going to get on any possession type of role. That is a, a recipe for giving defenses fits. And it's fun to watch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not to yeah. mention, yeah. it was just, it was, that's why I, I, I brought this up is because that aspect of it, I didn't even think about it, but it made it really fun to watch because you never knew what position Poku was going to be in on that offensive side for the Thunder. Yeah. And, and so you think about a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl too, who we've seen mm -hmm. roll and pop as well. I think about it from an opposing scout standpoint. You have, right, in a regular season right. situation, realistically, you have maybe an hour at like a morning meeting, and then you have maybe half an hour pregame to go over personnel. And right. yes, there's some time to watch film in between. But if you've got for a, a sec, you know second unit guy coming off the bench, you've got to worry about okay, well he's yes he can pop also he can roll mm -hmm. like they're trying to figure out what's the easiest, simplest call that we can make in our screen and roll coverages just to make the call and not have to think about it right. too many times throughout the course of a game. Well, they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do with this guy? Do we trap mm -hmm. when, when Poku's a screener? Mm -hmm. Do we, do we switch to take away the three? What, like, what do we do here? Right. And so the more guys that you're causing defenses to, to have to 
ponder, okay, how are we, I mean, this is exactly why Isaiah was, was effective against Denver as well, because yep. their game plan coming into it was, all right, we'll just give him the three. We're going to sit back yep. in our drop coverage and we're going to give him the three. We're going to play off of him. Well, he hits four of them. That's going to start to change your calculus a little bit. Exactly. And that's when some of the cutting got into the game later on. Creating those advantages just by playing to your style of basketball yeah. and playing mm -hmm. to who you are. At seven feet tall and you can shoot the ball, you can bring the ball up the floor, you're already creating <laughs> yeah. an advantage yeah. just just by simply being out there on the floor. So needless to say, a very fun game to watch just on the sidelines. I know we really enjoyed it, but also a really, really great game for the Thunder. And something else before we, before we move on, Coach Dagnalt mentioned it after the game that, you know, this could be obviously a, a confidence boost for the team, sure. but it also builds confidence in what the Thunder is doing. Yeah. And this goes back to the identity that the Thunder is trying to build. When you stick to it and you you play to it and you are disciplined to it, this is the sort of success that you can have. Skittles. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I still remember a game from the really injury-riddled 2014-15 Thunder season where the Thunder had only eight healthy guys like four of them were power forwards and centers. And so like we just saw some wacky, interesting lineups. And I think that's a game that was sort of like a badge of honor game yeah. for the Thunder. I could very much see this game being this game at Denver where you only have nine healthy guys. Mm -hmm. Two of them are two-way players. Many of them have less than 100 games of NBA experience. You're going up against the reigning MVP. I could absolutely see this being sort of like a badge of honor game yep. that we look back on. Shout out Royce Young in the path that, you know, maybe maybe this is something that we <laughs> that we look back at yeah. later on. And so if you got league pass, if you've got any way to go back and watch that game, if you didn't catch it because it was a later tip off last night, please go back and watch it because I think you're going to pick out all of these really fun moments and things to hold on to that tell you like, we are at the ground floor of something very special right now. And be sure to check out at OKC Thunder on all of all of the social channels because our broadcast team did a great job putting together, a, yes. obviously, yeah. highlight reel of that game, but also just kind of a, a, a little look into the identity that the Thunder was playing to on both ends of the floor. So be sure to go check that out. We're going to take a short break right here, and we'll be right back. Coop L Works is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites F5 IPA and 99 calorie ice chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLWorks.com. It is now that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And it was Alexei Pokashevsky who blessed our timeline after the game against Denver because obviously he's going up against a fellow countrymen yeah. and, and Nikola Jokic. And you can tell the two, they had met before. This isn't their first time playing against each other. They had a nice little exchange after the game, and it was really cool to see. There's so much pride in the game of basketball in Serbia. And so you can just see across the league, like every time there's two Serbian guys that are at any of our games or even games that I'm watching on TV, like they're always talking to each other yeah. at midcourt. <laughs> yeah. I swear, like they're always together. And so uh -huh. um, it's just, it's a national sport there that um, everyone really cares about, it seems like. And so to see Poku, you know, we haven't been able to be like up and close and personal to the team really mm -hmm. in nearly two years. Right. And so to have some of these opportunities to see guys getting those chances and and we had that great um moment between poku and, and Jokic. yeah night. poku said he asked for his jersey said he's gonna get it next time next time the thunder <laughs> goes out to denver <laughs> that's that's later in march <laughs> yeah we go back at the very end of march and so he's got that tabbed you know uh, 
I wonder what that process is like. Is Poku like, you know, does he have to send him like a reminder text before the mm, game? That's like, a good question. you know, if it's if it's if it's like an you know a, a an emotional finish, do you still ask for the jersey <laughs> after? True. You know, it's like this is true. It's one of those things that that all of yeah. us at our jobs kind of wonder about. Like, okay, you know, you know, okay, when is the right opportunity to ask yeah. for this thing or that thing? Or like, I, you I know. think there's also a different yeah. vibe when you know that's the last time you're gonna face a team. Right. So like, that'll be the fourth time, and the the next game will be the fourth time and the last time that right. these two teams meet. And so that's normally when all the handshakes happen and everybody's hugging at half court. So yeah. I imagine the vibe might be a little bit different. It might be easier to ask for that jersey. Well, then. hopefully Poku gets the jersey. They can do the swap and they can, you know, he can hang it up on his wall or yes. whatever. And, um, you know, maybe sometime down the line they'll play for the Serbian national team together. You never know. And we're all rooting for you, Poku. Yeah. We're all rooting for you. <laughs> all right. So before we let you go, we got to let you know what's on tap for the Thunder for our next podcast. The Thunder's back home mm-hmm. for a nice stretch of three games and the first one kicks off on Friday and that is going to be against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, two more division battles coming Mm -hmm. up. The Thunder has actually not played that many division games, so nice to have a little stretch here of actually four out of five games against Northwest Division opponents, so um, definitely stay tuned. Friday is a city night night at home against Minnesota, then Sunday against Utah, and then the reigning NBA champs, the Milwaukee Bucks coming in on the front yep. end of that home road back-to-back. So it's going to be an action-packed week, but a very fun week, and we would love to see you down there yeah. in Paycom Center. On, Come say hey. On Friday night, especially, yeah. that city night, there's really nothing like it. That floor, the more I see it, the more I like it. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's really cool yeah. to see, and we're hearing some things around the league. They like it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got a good reputation. All right, well, until then, thank you so much for watching and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.